It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's news channel. My name is Mike Bernard, and I'm joined today with my friends and colleagues, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. How are you guys doing? Great. Good to see you, Mike. All right. That was half-hearted. Thanks, Josh. Hey, every week on Wise Money, it's our goal to teach you at least one new financial concept or strategy that you can use to improve your financial life. That's our aim today. I think we're going to do it. Thanks for spending the hour with us. Yeah, I think we've got a great show lined up today. Our theme today is going to be tax planning. We've just finished up tax season, and today we're sharing war stories. So hopefully uh, we can share some anonymous stories and observations that we've collected over the past uh, couple months here. And, uh, you know, we've been looking into the financial lives of a whole lot of people and uh, kind of peering through the lens of, of a tax return. And hopefully we have some good stuff to be sharing with you. But I, I especially hope that you come away from today's show hearing the message very loud and clear that you need to be planning your taxes, not just preparing your taxes. Very good. Later in the show, we're going to be hitting listener questions. So continue to submit those at wisemoneyradio.com or by phone at 574-222-2000. Thanks for your patience there. We've got a backlog, but we're hitting them in order, so please continue to submit them. All right, guys, I'm excited about the topic, so let's dive right in. Well, Mike, today's show is all about tax planning, and some people might wonder why a certified financial planner might be talking about tax season. And the reason why is that tax season for a financial planner is typically very busy. For us, we see most of our financial planning clients in about a six-week span of time. And what we're doing is we're looking at how the tax planning that we did for the prior year worked out. We're delivering their tax return to them. And then we're also discussing strategies that we might pursue for the current year to affect their tax return for next year. Yeah, and we're going to be sharing stories of what went well, some mistakes that people made, some great planning techniques. So let's actually start with tax mistakes. Uh, Guys, what are some examples of some big tax mistakes that you saw this past tax season? I feel like every year we have new people that come to us, brand new clients. We've never served them before. Um, But they, they come to us and we realize very quickly that they have made the mistake of missing opportunities along the way. And we have uh, one of our financial advisors who's also a tax preparer and a tax planner, Amy Masters. Uh, She had a great story that she encountered, brand new client uh, that she was helping deliver their taxes and realized very quickly that they had missed the opportunity um, by paying too little tax. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. The scenario was that they they were literally in the 0% tax bracket. Normally, a lot of people would be high-fiving on that one thinking, boy, I can't wait until I pay no taxes at all. But these folks, they actually had the ability to move money out of an IRA into a Roth IRA and pay no tax in doing so. That's called a Roth conversion. 
We talk about it on the show an awful lot. Well, and, and I think if you're thinking, well, 0% tax, that must mean they were poor. But in this case, they it was Social Security disability. And so, so they right. still had income. That's right. The point is, were there opportunities to improve their tax situation? Yeah, not not just this year, but over their whole lifetime. Because yeah. they have, you know, maybe half a million dollars in an IRA. Those are dollars that have never been taxed before. And they will be taxed eventually. But uh, the question is, if, if you just pass on the opportunity to pay nothing this year and instead delay that out into the future, you may pay at a much higher rate or your beneficiaries may pay your at kids, a higher rate. Right. Your, your kids would inherit that when they're in their peak earning years, likely, and be paying a lot of tax on that. Yeah. So, Josh, just a softball question here for you. If you file that tax return with a missed opportunity, what happens if you're audited? Well, no, nothing. You know, uh, it was the, an the, accurate return. That's right. The the tax preparer had prepared it accurately, but they had missed the opportunity to take action during 2015 to set themselves up to pay less tax over their whole lifetime. And I, I think that that is a legitimate mistake that a lot of people make uh, quite often where they actually pay too little tax. They have the chance to pay nothing on these IRA dollars, but instead they pay, they postpone and eventually someone's going to, to pay those taxes. And if you think about it, when they were earning that money and putting it away into their IRA, they were in the 25% tax bracket federally and 5% state. So they were saving significant money on the way in the door. And to pull it out and pay nothing in this case or a small amount, that's the, that's the best way you can do it if, you can, if the opportunity arises. You know, I, I love the fact that when Amy pointed this out to them, she said that they visibly got angry because no one had ever described this process to them. They, yeah. they had missed this opportunity many years in a row. And, you know, they, they were all fired up because their investment advisor hadn't coached them in, in this way. Yep. Yeah. So. Amy did a great job this tax season. That, what a great example. We were high-fiving over that one. That's so. right. Uh, I've got a mistake I'm going to throw out there. So we, we had a couple that just started using us for tax preparation last year. So, so this was our second year serving them and we don't do planning for them. We don't do anything else. They just hire us to prepare their taxes. And so these folks, they've got modest income. They both work and they, they both work at a local hospital. So together their income's about 150,000 a year. So that's good, but that's not a, too shabby, not too shabby, but that's an important part of this story here. So this year we were preparing their taxes and during our thorough process of analyzing their situation, our preparer, Summer Hathaway, actually saw something that suggested maybe they made an IRA contribution. So she called and asked them a few other questions, but asked them about the IRA. And they said, yeah, we made an IRA contribution. We make one every year, but we know we make too much money to deduct it. So we never even tell you guys. Oh, ah, right. we're seeing the issue here. So they knew the rule that if you have a retirement plan available to you at work, then you, you can contribute to an IRA, but you can't deduct it if your income jointly is over about, a, about 98 grand, about 100 grand. And so they knew that rule. The issue is they didn't really pay attention to the other opportunities. So the point here is if I've lost you, they contributed to an IRA and really didn't get any benefit for it. Right. A different, so that's, that's the mistake. It could have been corrected by, they could have contributed those dollars to their 403B at work. Neither of them were maximizing that contribution. Oh. Had they done that, they would have gotten this deduction. Yeah. Or maybe they were thinking, no, we don't want to put more money. We don't want to tie more money, uh, tie up more money at work. Mm-hmm. They could have done a Roth IRA and not gotten a deduction, but at least had those dollars grow 
tax-free. That's right. So some missed planning opportunities. I'd call that a mistake. I mean, the, the, the lesson there is make sure you know what tax shelters are available mm-hmm. and how they'd apply to your situation. Yeah, and at the very least, if you're going to do a non-deductible IRA contribution, you want to make sure you're tracking the basis of that in your uh, tax software, whatever tax software you may be using. Because if you don't track the basis on it, likely down the road when you go to pull that money out, it's not going to be coded correctly and you'll pay taxes on it again. A second time, right. Yeah. If you're just joining us here, we're talking uh, tax war stories, as Josh said. That's a little daunting, but we're we're sharing tax stories confidentially, but in hopes that you, the listener, could glean some uh, some good principles to apply, so you don't make these mistakes in your life. Speaking of that, we were hitting mistakes. Now I want to turn the table. Let's give some examples of some uh, last call, some some mistakes that almost were, but we caught them at the last minute and fixed things and really improved their tax situation. I've got a really good one, but what do you guys got? I don't know if mine's as good as yours, but I one does come to mind. Uh, I have a client who owns a business down in the Fort Wayne area, and um, w- throughout the year, we knew that he was going to have a rough year financially, yeah, meaning that his business was going to lose money this year. And that was somewhat intentional. He's been investing in the business, staffing up for growth, that sort of thing. So the, the whole planning opportunity is, well, how do you take advantage of a year where your income is going to be lower than normal? This particular year, his income was going to drop down to a point where he became eligible for an earned income credit, uh-huh. which is just I always refer to it as kind of free money from the government. Kevin's always quick to correct me that there is no free money from the government. The government has no money, Josh. That's right. Um, I like to push your buttons, though. <laughs> um, but the, the, the issue here is, in order to get the earned income credit, you have to meet certain income thresholds based on how many kids you have, that sort of thing. And there's this other requirement that uh, if you have over $3,400 of investment income, then you're disqualified. Wow. And we knew he was going to have investment income because he owns the building that his uh, business operates in. So the profit out of basically being the landlord to himself uh, is considered investment income. Well, he made one blunder that pushed him up over that $3,400 threshold. And it was that uh, without talking to us, without consulting with us, he sold this tiny little stock that he had owned for a number of years and sold it at a profit. And that profit was considered investment income, and it pushed him up over the, the threshold, taking $3,600 off the table for him. Were you able to fix it? We, we were. Okay, wait. We're going to come back. We're, we're right. going gonna to hit that Flip in just a second. Here. So we've got, we've got more close calls as well as some year-long tax planning that we want to share with you guys. Coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hello and welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name is Mike Bernard and with me is Kevin and Josh as always. If you're just joining us, this whole show is about taxes, tax planning. We got through tax season. It was great. And we've got some stories to tell you that are all confidential, uh, confidential but you can learn something. Later, we're going to be hitting listener questions. We've got one from Jim about should you have a 529 for each of your kids or just one? It's a good question. We're going to be hitting that later. But we left off with a, with a story. Yeah, right? right in the middle of it, right? 
So the the issue was, if you remember, or if you're just tuning in, uh, I had a client who lost himself $3,600 by very innocently selling a stock that had run up in value over the years, just hadn't really thought about it. But by doing so, he pushed himself up over a threshold that took a credit away, which literally just took $3,600 out of his pocket. So the solution that we came up to, you know, we, we started analyzing his situation. How can we shrink his other income in some way? And just by shifting, for, for him, it ended up being some premiums that he paid on his commercial office building. We shifted it from his business to uh, the, the actual landlord, which was also him, mm-hmm. just shifted where it shows up on the ah. tax return, and it, it pushed him back underneath that threshold, throws $3,600 back on the return, and crisis averted. Oh, my goodness. That's great. So it, it was wonderful. Now, you, you might listen to that story and think, oh, okay, so the moral of the story is make sure you have a professional that you're working with who can decide where do you put expenses on the tax return. But mm-hmm. that's not the point. The point is that he didn't consult with us before he took action on selling the stock. Gotcha. Because most people wouldn't get to do the corrective action that we did with him. Mm-hmm. He just happened to be his own landlord running a business in a building that he owned. Not everybody has that opportunity to shift things around like that. So be proactive is exactly. what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. Hey, I've got a good one here too. I, I, I teased that out in the last segment, but... I have a client who unfortunately was downsized from his career. I mean, it wasn't just a job. This is a career he'd been in for decades. So he got downsized a couple of years ago and sadly kind of bounced around from job to job in 2015. Well, 2014 and 15. As you might expect, or maybe you experienced yourself, there was a time near the beginning of 2015 where he found himself underemployed and was only making, you know, 10 or 12 bucks an hour when he's used to having a salary of around 70 grand. Uh-huh. And so that's a, that's a big difference. But he yeah. needed health insurance because his wife wasn't working and they have a child as well. So he needed health insurance. Is this going to be an Obamacare story? But, so what would you do? It is an Obamacare story. So uh-huh. basically he went to the marketplace, went yeah. to the exchange to buy health insurance. And since his income was so low, he couldn't afford much. And so he should be able to qualify for a premium credit. And I'm using that word specifically. Oh so his health insurance cost should be pretty low. Instead of paying $1,200 a month for his health insurance for him and his wife and his child, it was only $190 a month because his income was so low at the time. Well, you can probably see where this is going. Thankfully, his job hunting paid off. And in July, he actually landed a job back in his career in that same industry. And he's making about seventy grand a year, which was great. We were high five and excited because that really helps improve their financial plan, their financial situation. However, when I saw him in the fall, I said, hey, what'd you do with the health insurance stuff? And he said, yeah, they, the new company doesn't offer it, but I'm going to fix things on the Obamacare. And I said, okay, great. All right. Fast forward to February. We're meeting for taxes. And we sit down and guess what? He did only pay $190 a month for the entire year. $190 a month for $1,200 of insurance per month. And that premium credit, it's really a tax credit. It's not cheap health insurance. It's a tax credit you're getting in advance. Right. And because he got that big job, his income was now higher. He owed $13,000 of tax. Wow. Is your jaw on the floor? Yeah. But this was close call. This is a close call segment. Really? So because his income was so low at the beginning of the year, we shifted some money that they had saved up into a Roth IRA. Low tax bracket, it could grow tax-free. Because they now needed a tax deduction, we shifted it from an, a Roth IRA 
to an IRA, we could still do that in February. Wait, so let me interject. You're saying that prior to knowing that this tax problem had been created, they were contributing to a Roth IRA. Now you know they have an issue and you're basically undoing it? You got it. Okay. And you're allowed to do that up into the, the next calendar year. We won't get into all of that, but you've got some time. And so we did that. And guess what happened? They went from owing 13 grand to owing 700 bucks. No way. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. So the moral you, of the story is not to avoid Obamacare. <laughs> although I personally come to that conclusion quite often because I, I tell you what, the only time that I have ever been presenting taxes to someone and had tears on the other side of the table had to do with Obamacare. And they weren't able to undo it. Right. Like, right. Yeah. It, they were, these folks were very fortunate. He had just made over that limit. And so we were able to do that IRA deduction and get them below. But most people aren't as lucky. See, I think this is a good teachable moment here because a lot of people don't realize that when you go to sign up for Obamacare, you have to make your best guess as to what your income is going to be in the coming year. And based on what you think that income is going to be, they award you these these tax credits that An you're referring advanced to. tax credit. That's right. Is what it is. And it's all based on guesswork. Yeah. Right? Your guess as to what your income is going to be. Well, fast forward a year, as you're saying, and now it's the day of reckoning when your taxes are being prepared, and you have to figure out, well, boy, was I high on my estimate or low on my estimate? And the difference there between the reality and what your guess was is going to either put money, additional money back in your pocket on the tax return, or you have to pay the government back. It's huge. And a lot of people don't realize that, or they're very nonchalant in the way that they're estimating their income and creating a tax time bomb for themselves that, unfortunately, we get to be the ones that present to them sometimes. Yeah, yeah, Josh, you, you called that a teachable moment, and I, I would say there's a few other things that I would get from that. If you have any questions at all about the Affordable Care Act, call our office and talk to Ted Foster. Yeah. He is a genius. It, it, you really you can't get there from here. It is, it's un-understandable. And so I would encourage anyone who's who is in that situation because we've seen the folks that have had uh, the the penalty and like Josh said, there are tears. It does it, it wailing and gnashing of teeth. It is it is very awful because the the one of the worst things that can happen when you're getting your taxes prepared is a surprise, and those yeah. surprises are awful. And so I would say before you do anything, whether it's selling a stock or signing up on the exchange for Obamacare or any of this stuff, talk to your advisor and and make sure you have a tax plan and a tax strategy that's going to work because just just living life and doing stuff to get it done and hoping that'll work out when you get your return back is not a great strategy. See, I would take that advice that you just gave to seek out a very competent health insurance advisor agent like Ted Foster and take it one step further because Ted or the TEDs of the world have to be able to interact and collaborate with your tax preparer as well. Because even TED is at the mercy of what your best guess is on your income. Yeah. And, you know, this is some of the most valuable planning I think that we've done in the past couple years since uh, the Affordable Care Act came out is helping people um, project what their income is going to be. Yep. Yeah. So if you're on Obamacare and your health insurance agent is not talking to your tax planner, it's likely that there's going to be a problem at some point. Yeah, that's a scary situation. The other lesson here is, once again, like my first story, know what your tax shelters are and when you would use one over the other. 
and know when the contribution deadline is. Because you can do an IRA or a Roth IRA contribution, even an HSA contribution, all the way into April if you haven't filed your, well, up until your tax filing deadline, which the normal deadline is in April. Mm -hmm. And so you can even convert dollars if you made a Roth conversion um, and then you need to recharacterize, I'm sorry I said that wrong, and move some of that back. You can make those changes up until your tax filing deadline. So right, you need which to, is, that, that's just kind of jargon for saying that you can undo certain actions that you took during during the year, and that can dramatically change your tax picture after the fact. Which is jargon for saying that you can do <laughs> after-the-fact tax planning. Are, are we not capable of doing any sentences without jargon here? Absolutely not. This show is about finance. There's no chance. Wow. But I, I also know that some of you out there maybe haven't filed your taxes, and maybe you filed an amendment, or maybe there, you've gone, we've had uh, some examples of this this year where people have just gone off the grid with taxes. I haven't done it for two or three years. It's just overwhelming to me. If that's you, we can help you. We still have CPAs on staff doing taxes all day long. So give us a call at KFG. The, the office line at Corhorn is 574-247-5898. Now, Tax planning is a year-round process. We've been talking about tax planning today. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the planning that we did all year that came to fruition, and the plan worked when we did the taxes this year. The so, success stories then, huh? That's right. That and listener questions coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. I am Mike with Josh and Kevin in the studio. This whole show has been about tax planning and getting proactive with your taxes. Tax planning is one of the six areas of financial planning. Almost every financial decision you make is interwoven into your taxes. So it's really it takes, it's all year. Tax planning, we're talking to clients about it all throughout the year. And I want to, I want to switch gears and talk about some success stories here where the planning that we did throughout the entire year came to fruition when the taxes were prepared. And it was a, ah, see, look, all that hard work, look how it paid off. Yeah. Well, I've got a story for you, Mike, and I want to set the table here. Um, she's an employee and she's a territory rep, but she works out of her home because she's nowhere near the headquarters of the business. And he's an independent contractor in sales, and he files a Schedule C. So this is a jargon alert. So if you don't want to hear any jargon, I'm going to start with jargon in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Here we go. So the, here's here's what happened. And the reason the reason why we want to go into jargon a little bit, when you think about, I'm going to take a, a, a little bit of a, uh, aside here, when you think about getting your taxes prepared, the person you want to prepare your taxes, you want someone that is an extreme rule follower, a very left-brained person, someone who is into math and logic and other things like that so they can get the right number in the right box, and they're not going to to let you color outside the lines yeah, at may, all. Maybe not someone you'd want to have dinner with Friday night, but... <laughs> So, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm uh, just kidding. Yeah, I mean, you know, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite accountant jokes is, you know, you can tell the extroverted accountant because he's the one that's looking at your shoes. Um, <laughs> Instead of his, his shoes. That's right. Yeah. Okay. 
But we love accountants. We love accountants. So I'm not and, and, accountants. It's, and, and they're necessary. But when you, so when you're talking about preparation, though, I'm talking about planning. So planning, you want someone that's got some right brain to them, who's able to uh, think outside the box or be creative. And so we uh, started working with some folks this year. She's a, an employee. He's an independent contractor. Both of them work out of their home. And so when they came in, we uh, were looking at the, the taxes that they had prepared in the past and said, what are the planning opportunities for you? One of the planning opportunities for them was just a, there was a, there's a simplified option for the home office deduction. They both work out of the home. So we said, hey, here's an opportunity for you to uh, deduct, have a deduction for, um, and you have to be careful there because for the employee, that goes on the Schedule A. For the, so for the home office deduction? Yep. So a lot of people have this question. In fact, coming up in listener questions, we've got, I think it's Sarah, ask this very question. Uh, send us an email. So you're hitting some well, of it right now. It's a great question because there are a lot more folks working out of their house now than there ever used to be. So as an employee, if I'm an employee, I file it on my Schedule A. It's an unreimbursed uh, expense as an empl- unreimbursed employee expense. Okay. So uh, then for him, who's an independent contractor, that goes on a Schedule C. So, yep, so we have so we have two different schedules that we're working with, but that was a way for them to reduce their tax liability. And then as we looked further at the things that were on the Schedule A or the, the itemized deductions, we realized they weren't deducting their investment expenses that they had. Whoops. And they weren't even deducting their tax prep fee. Now, that some of that can go on Schedule A, some of that can go on Schedule C. Yeah. And so if you're not deducting your tax prep fee, you want to uh, look into that and see if you're eligible to do that. In the past, they'd, they'd hired a financial planner and paid that planner a, a financial planning fee. That wasn't getting deducted. That goes on the Schedule A. And then they had a retirement plan in place, and it was, a uh, again, a jargon little jargon free. here, yeah. It was a SEP IRA, which all that means is a, just think uh, uh, an independent contractor, I have my own retirement plan. So there's there are a couple different types of them, and they, they came up with a different type. We would call it a single K or a solo K or a one-woman 401K or one-man 401K. Um, but they switched their type of retirement plan to have a bigger bucket to put money into, and they can contribute more the new plan than they could the old one. They did, or you brought that up as an advice? I mean, basically, as you're finding all these things that were missed, you then came with that idea. Yeah, we came and we said, these are the opportunities. Yeah. These are the planning opportunities. And again, to the point that we had in the first segment about if you ever get audited and you didn't take advantage of opportunities, you won't be in trouble for doing it. It's just you missed out. You, you also won't be tests. rewarded, right? Exactly. And so finally... The, the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake was we rolled money from the IRA into the new retirement plan and left only after-tax dollars in the IRA that we then converted to a Roth IRA. So we were able to really get some pretty amazing planning things done for these folks. And when they saw their tax return, and the great thing about these their situation, they were able to go back a couple of years and take advantage of some of these savings that we did for 2015 going uh, back and amending. If you if you zoned out like I did when Kevin mentioned ice cream, and that's all I was thinking about, <laughs> you may have missed we're talking about tax planning stories and some pretty significant uh, tax strategies that we've implemented throughout last year that really 
uh, showed up and made a big impact when filing someone's taxes. Kevin, that's an awesome example. A lot of moving pieces. Not everyone's situation is that involved, but a lot of good stuff there. Josh, you have uh, another example well, here? Not, Give me not a necessarily look. another example, more just, I guess, kind of a closing comment on this this whole topic because you know, we keep emphasizing the difference between just preparing your returns and planning your taxes each year. And if you're the type of person who maybe you go to a professional, you have a CPA that cranks out your tax return for you each year. They call you when it's done. You swing in, pick it up, and uh, you say, hey, see you next year. And you walk out of that office without having a very detailed and intentional conversation about how 2016 is going to be different than 2015 then you need to get right back into that office and have that conversation. Because right now is when all the planning opportunities need to be uncovered. That's right. You know, a a lot of, you know, things like uh, what Kevin was just talking about, using your home as a tax write-off if you work out of your home for for your business or for your employer. There are a whole bunch of expenses that you need to keep track of throughout the year so that you can get that deduction. But if you're not keeping track of it all 12 months of the year, then you're creating a nightmare for yourself to go uncover that information after the fact. So I guess just the big emphasis that I would place is that now is when your tax planning begins for 2016. Yep. And if you are an individual or a couple, you want to be doing tax planning now and probably a tax projection in early in the fourth quarter. If you have variable income, you own a business, there are a lot of different scenarios that, like Mike said, you want to be doing that throughout the year, especially when it comes time quarterly to pay your estimates. Yeah, I'm going to sneak a question here from Sarah. I mentioned it. Uh, so Sarah from Niles, she left this email at wisemoneyradio.com, said, listen, I changed employers recently and now get to work from my house part of the week. Do I get to deduct the home office or some of my house expenses since that's where I work now? And I would kick off the answer by saying, well, it's got to be your principal place of employment. And so by part of the week, I, you'd really, we need to know, well, is that most of the week? Is this your, primarily, are you working out of the house and you just go to the office once a week, maybe? It's got to be your principal place of employment. And then the second big snag that a lot of people get when they consider this deduction is your, your home office needs to be exclusive use. So you can't have the kids in there running around playing right. with toys. It's just got to be for your work at home. Yeah, that, that home office can't double as a guest bedroom or, or toy room, as you said, that sort of thing. Or but, the room where you have a fan. So <laughs> You confused both of us on that one. And everyone else, the other four people. <laughs> Nuanced humor, sorry. Okay, so what, what would you add, though, Kevin, because you this example that you shared? Yeah, I think the... the there are some tests that have to be passed in order to do that. And, and there are two ways of deducting. There's a, there's a simplified option and a regular method. So, Sarah, you want to get in and talk to your tax planner and make sure your tax planner is working with your tax preparer. But there's a, there's a convenience of employer test where you have, it has to be a condition of your employment, has to be necessary for the employer's business to properly function or it needed to allow the employee to properly perform his or her duties. So a lot of different tests and kind of grids that you'd have to pass through. But if you are able to use it, Sarah, we would encourage you to use that deduction. Okay. We are officially into listener questions. We've got more. The whole show has been about taxes. We've got more tax questions coming up. Jim has a question about 529 plans, which is for college, but that's a tax deal. So we've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. 
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name is Mike Bernard, and in the studio with me, Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn. We are into listener questions. You can download the podcast. Download the podcast. Shoot. Wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question there as well. And here are all Kevin's bad jokes. The ones you won't get. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Jim has a question. He called in on on the uh, on the hotline. Actually, I didn't give that number. 574-222-2000 is the phone number. You can leave a question as well. If you're driving... Don't pull up the website on your phone. Just call that number, 574-222-2000. That's what Jim did. Here's his question. I've heard you guys mention 529 plans to save up for college for your kids, but what if you have more than one child? Huh. Do you use one 529 account for all kids, or do you need a separate one for each child? Great question. Yeah. I, I personally would answer that with taxpayer preference. Oh, right? yeah. You know, it, I, I know people who they want life simple and the way they keep sim- life simple is by just keeping one 529 plan. They pile dollars into it every single year. And then when they get to the college years, they either divide it at that time amongst their kids or they draw off of it for the oldest. And what they don't use kind of rolls down to to the youngest. I personally don't think that's more simple. It feels like more work in in the long run. So I personally opened up a 529 plan for each of my three kids and just keep the dollars separate. My my argument for why to do it that way is, uh, you know, they're separate ages. So they're going to be reaching that point in their high school career where they need to start dialing down the amount of risk at different points. So I don't want to dial down the risk on all the money uh, when my youngest, uh, you know, maybe isn't quite ready for that. Yeah, I think one of the considerations, uh, and this is a small consideration, but what is there an account fee? So if there's a ten dollar account fee and I've got three kids, whatever they pay, ten dollars, ten dollars a year or thirty dollars a year, right? And that's and some people look at that as a consideration, but certainly to your point, Joshua, this is. This is a preference issue, and, and some people come and they say, well, what's the right answer? You know, what's if you look in the teacher's manual, what's in the back of the book? And in the back of the book, it says, well, really, whatever you're most comfortable with. And, again, if you have your kids real close together, then using uh, one is is could be a positive or a negative. So, they're, they're, it's again, you just go with your preference. Well, wait a second. There's some practical information here too, right? It's a preference along the way, but what's, what's the practical point when you need the money? That's your job here. Oh, you're the practical guy. <laughs> no, you got me miscast, my friend. <laughs> no, when, when you need to start drawing money out and paying for school, you can only draw it out for expenses in the name of the child that you have listed on that account. So yep. if you've got two kids, you know, Sammy in Julie. I'm really bad at coming up with fake names. <laughs> about- so Sammy and Julie, okay, and Julie's got college expenses, but the account's in Sammy's name. Sam's name, I can't even remember anymore. Hey, Josh and Kevin are two nice names. Why don't you just go I hate those, those names. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you, you basically have to pull the money out 
for the child whose name's on the account. Right. They're yeah. the beneficiary. There are some account. logistical hoops that you would have to jump through. If you if you went the one account route, at some point, as the oldest is turning, getting close to 16, you might want to start divvying it up. Or And, and you'll have a better sense for who's going to go to college, where they're going to go, what the costs are, et cetera. And you can only have one child listed on each account. So... So, Jim, I don't think we helped you at all, but hopefully that was entertaining. <laughs> he thought he asked a simple question. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So if we were going to wrap that up, Jim, you can do it however it makes sense for you. One account or multiple accounts. Yeah. Hey, one point, though, you know, since we're here in Indiana and uh, we often, when we're talking about the 529 plan, we refer to the tax credit that people earn by contributing to that. You don't get more credit by doing three separate 529 plans because it's really just the first $5,000 that you contribute whether it's to five different 529 plans or one, doesn't matter. But that's to Indiana state tax. Correct. So a lot of nuances here. Sorry, Jim. But okay, next question. Tom from Edwardsburg, he's 35. He sent this in an email. Now his question's interesting. He's 35. Do you guys ever recommend that someone should downsize to a cheaper house so that they can save so they so that they can pay it off faster and save up more for retirement? Interesting that he's thinking this. Yeah, at, at thirty-five that age. year old. That's pretty impressive. That's that's all about getting proactive with your finances. I love it. Yeah, hopefully, he doesn't just hate his job, and that's the reason uh, he's focused so early on retirement. Here. Yeah, that's but, a good point. But however, I mean, the house is a tricky subject when it comes to finances. It's one of the biggest financial decisions that people make in their entire life: what house to buy, and it's often one of the most emotional decisions that you can make. And money decisions that are kind of packed with emotion often leads to problems. And so we've seen a lot of people who have who have been house poor, if you will, if you get my drift, where all of their or a large portion of their money or their income every single month goes to pay the mortgage and upkeep the house. They ended up hating the house that they once were in love with. And so it's tricky. I, I would want any listener to buy a house that's well within their means. And you to know that you've build a budget, that four-letter word, but that's critically important. And then if, if, you're, if the mortgage or the house expenses don't leave enough room for you to save up for that all-important retirement goal, then yeah, you should probably downsize or whatever to get into a house or pay the house off sooner so that you can save up for retirement and reach that goal. Right. So it didn't pass the affordability test that you were just referring to then. And Tom, it's a great question. This is a question if you're married... I would want to answer this question to you and your wife. Of course. Because this is this is internal finance, if you will. It's, this is the softer side because we can do the math and say, if your house payment is less, you will have more money to put in your retirement account. If you put more money into your retirement account earlier, you'll have a bigger retirement account later. So I, I'm assuming, Tom, you probably knew the answer to that question. So the, so the answer that you're looking for we're, we're kind of hard-pressed to give you without knowing what is most important to you. So I, the question that I would ask you is, Tom, what are you living for? Good point. What's, what is important to you? Yeah, the, I mean, the reason why I respond that way is, is it a good offset for you to work a couple extra years to live in a house in the right neighborhood or in mm-hmm. the right school district? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're young here, probably have kids coming or would you say, no, I, I hate my job, like Josh mentioned. I want to be done in my early 60s, and I'm willing to live in a different neighborhood or in a smaller house. But that's, if That's if, the right question. If he's just driven by which one makes the most dollars and cents 
um, you know, good, good decision here. Keep in mind that sometimes that smaller house in a rougher neighborhood, yeah, the payment's easier, the mortgage is smaller, you could pay it off faster. But at the end of 10 years of paying on an $80,000 house, what if you just have an $80,000 house still and it's paid off? You've built up 80 grand of equity, in other words, mm-hmm. versus you maybe buy a $150,000 house, so you've got a much bigger mortgage, you pay on it that same 10 years, and you don't have the thing paid off, but it has grown in value much more because it's in a more desirable neighborhood, better school district, whatever, you may actually have built up more equity that way with a more expensive house. Um, so don't just look at getting your debt wiped out faster. Pay attention to what does it do for the, the bottom line. The, the caution, though, that I would throw out with that recommendation, and I'm going to quote my good friend Kevin Corhorn. He's your friend? He is. Oh. Most days. Sorry. He, that sticks closer than a brother. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was is that Jesus, a bathroom? Right? Is that a bathroom joke, too? <laughs> I didn't catch that. I didn't. Anyway. Okay. So, so here was a, a quote that Kevin gave me. I think it may have been my first week uh, working with Kevin. He said, there are those who create wealth and those who display wealth. And the two are very rarely the same. Wow. And so if you're living in your wealth, if you're just buying a house and that the, the answer to that question that you posed earlier, what are you living for? What are you making your decisions for? If it's to display wealth or to, you know, give a, a certain persona to the world, um, you know, that that unfortunately is not a wealth building activity. It may not lead you towards more financial peace. You've redeemed yourself. This is wise money. That was wise advice, Kevin. That's that's good stuff. Yep. And I would I would close, Tom, with just saying, hey. You're, you're either moving towards something or moving away from something. And what is it? What are you moving toward or what are you moving away from? Because if you're doing it because you hate your job, get a different job. It's not about the house, Tom. It's about the job. Hmm. That's Interesting. all I say. If you missed anything or want to check out more information on the show or listen to past episodes, all that stuff, you can download the podcast on iTunes or check us out online at wisemoneyradio.com. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. I am Mike Bernard, and on behalf of myself and Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, and the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.